This is Photo BizX, episode number 473, and today there are two major topics we'll be covering. One is working with ADHD as a photography business owner, and the second part of the conversation is revolving around not only ADHD, but running a successful volume photography business around sports photography. Our special guest is Jason Marino, who comes highly recommended from other PhotoBizX listeners and members. That interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the PhotoBiz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I am taking a rest day here in Annecy or Annecy as they say in France. I'm just sitting on the lawn in front of our hotel with an incredible view of Lake Annecy. The rest of the group have rolled out but after a big week of riding I'm taking a day off today and going to be working on this podcast, getting it out to you, recovering a little I may even ride into the old town to meet up with the guys for an ice cream later on. <laughs> it really is going to be a proper rest day for me today. Just before we get into this interview with Jason Marino, if you haven't caught the last couple of episodes, they are well worth checking out. Last week, I featured Philip Warren, the UK-based photographer who has appeared on the podcast in the past. We covered the same topic because he has refined his processes and is more successful than ever in running his Christmas mini sessions. Yes, it's early to be talking about Christmas mini sessions, but if you want to make them successful like Philip has, now is the time to start thinking about them. The week before that, I featured Andrew Darlow, and the big focus of that episode was backing up and doing it effectively in a way that will having you sleep easy at night knowing that your data, your photos are protected, which is a great situation to be in. For that particular episode, you will want to be looking at the show notes at the same time because there is a PDF download that we're basically covering throughout that interview with Andrew. So get back and have a listen to both or either of those if you haven't heard them yet. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. One last thing before we get into this interview with Jason. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Jason. I am saving a portion of the second half for premium members only. So if you are loving what Jason shares in the first half and you'd like to hear more from him, you can do that for as little as $1 with a trial membership. There are more details about that over at photobizx.com forward slash try, where you can get a 30-day trial for $1. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest came to my attention through a post in the members' Facebook group. Kelly Barnes there was talking about an interview with a photographer who has ADHD. It turns out the photographer in question was featured on another podcast and that's when Eric Cathal from the group and other members suggested I need to get this photographer on the podcast. They are amazing and they are fantastic. Now I'm talking about Jason Marino who's part of a husband and wife team who run Imagine Photography in Arizona in the US. They run a multi-focus studio photographing weddings, seniors and families both in studio and on location 
And I love this line on their about page. From hanging out of the windows of moving cars to standing on an active airstrip, if it makes a great shot, we're going to risk it all. <laughs> and if you check out their Instagram feed, you'll see a varied portfolio of beautifully and creatively lit portraits from couples to seniors, boudoir and maternity. And from the outside looking in, I get the feeling that every day is totally different for these guys. I'm wrapped to have Jason here with us now to learn more about working with ADHD and running a successful business at the same time. Jason, welcome. Hey, how are you, sir? <laughs> I am great. Mate, first of all, is it weird to ask someone if they have ADHD or they suffer from ADHD? I imagine it's weird for some people, but I'm kind of an open book. So for me, I'm happy to uh, be asked and I'm happy to answer. Also, say, like, am I right if I ask you if you suffer from it or if you have it? Like, what's the right terminology there? Hmm. Well, I guess I do suffer because of it, <laughs> but I've never really thought about it as, as the best way to put it. But I would just say, do you have? Because I don't necessarily suffer from it day to day and a lot of people manage it quite well so that they're not suffering. So I suppose, you know, do you have it is probably the most PC way of asking. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it. And so is it something that you've always had or did you, did you know something was different about yourself and, and you get diagnosed with it? How does it all work? Yeah, I mean, going back to, you know, elementary school, middle school, and we're talking, you know, the late 80s, early 90s here when, you know, things like this were pretty new and, and not necessarily understood very well. You know, I, I had a hard time focusing on anything. I had a hard time getting my schoolwork done, had a hard time paying attention in class, but I was also able to digest the information given to me. So if, if I were in class, you know, for the week and then there was a test at the end of the week, I would very easily just jump right in and knock out the test, get a straight eight on it, no problem. But the act of sitting down and finishing a project or writing a paper was absolutely impossible for me. And so it caused me to suffer quite a bit through grade school and into high school, um, where I just struggled and struggled and struggled. And I guess back then, you know, people would say, hey, you have ADD. And I guess they would just put people on Ritalin for it. But I think on my side, it was just never really followed through on or followed up on. And so I kind of just was left to languish. Right. So like you mentioned Ritalin there, I know there's other drugs as well. Have you ever had something like that? And what does it do to you? Does it just make you down? Well, so I actually just started medication last summer and it was the first time I was actually able to manage my ADHD properly. And it doesn't make you down at all. It actually just helps you focus. It keeps you from being all over the place and unable to sit down and complete tasks or hone in on a project you need to do. You know, with our business where it is now, we do a lot of education. So I have to write a lot of uh, talks and, you know, put together slideshows and, uh, you know, stuff like that, uh, keynotes. And I found myself absolutely struggling to get those done and waiting until, you know, the day before, waiting until I was on the airplane flying across the country to finally get a, get a project done that I needed to do six months prior. and. A big part of ADHD is that inability to complete things or start things even because you're to your, and then you get anxiety from blowing them off. And so you're sitting there going, I have to get this done, but I'm also not able to start doing it, but I'm also going to run out of time and oh my God. And then next thing you know, you're losing it. So it's really difficult. My medication essentially helps me to focus. And they, yeah, they've gone far beyond Ritalin now. Uh, they basically have time release medications. Some of them are um, an amphetamine, so to speak, and some of them aren't. Some are stimulants, I should say, and some of them aren't. And the non-stimulants work for some people. Some people, they don't. For me, they didn't work very long. 
and eventually I had to be put on a stimulant and it's a time release and it's a very low dose and it essentially helps me to yeah just focus and get work done and get through my day so much easier. So to me, like for someone who hasn't suffered with this, and I don't know much about this at all, isn't a stimulant, isn't it doing the opposite of what you want it to do? Doesn't it make your mind run even faster? You would think that that would be a bad thing, but it actually creates focus. Yeah, you, they have this, <laughs> there's this terminology that people use for people that take like methamphetamines, you know, dangerous drugs, and they call them tweakers. And, and those people will sit there and just scratch this one spot on their arm for like three days, you know? So if for some reason, there's something about that that draws your focus in and lets you hone in on things versus feeling more scatterbrained. It actually, and what it is, and I'm not a doctor or scientist, but you, it's a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Mm -hmm. And so your body is absorbing all of the serotonin that the brain is producing the second it produces it. And serotonin is what gives you, you know, excitement and focus and all those different things and allows you to, you know, get the hairs to stand up on your arms even. I never have that happen to me. I don't, I don't get chills. I don't have serotonin that enters my brain. And so these medicines stop the serotonin from being reabsorbed by your brain instantly, which then allows you to do things like normal, air quotes, normal people do. So do you actually feel the effects of the medication or it just happens you know, behind the scenes, if you like? Uh, you feel it slightly to where you are maybe more talkative at times or... Uh, a little more energetic, but that stuff wears off after a couple of weeks and then it, you're just focusing and doing what you do. It probably is different for everybody. But for me, essentially, after a few days or a week, it's just everything's normal and you don't even notice it. You're simply having a good day and doing what you got to do. Awesome. And then tell me about the, the running the photography, even going back to the start of the photography business, like that must have been a real challenge if you're all over the place. Is that the right description as well? All over the place or just not doing what you want to be doing? No, it's all over the place. I mean, you'll need to, you know, sit down and, and import some photos and do some editing. And while the photos are importing, you get up and go out of the room and go to do something else and completely forget that you're importing photos. And then an hour goes by, and you're like, oh my God, I just completely forgot about that. And so, yeah, unfortunately, my wife is a uh, very, uh, she doesn't suffer from this at all. She's very type A and very simple for her to just sit down and focus and get work done. And so for a really long time, she was essentially steering the ship. You know, and I was more of like an engine that just powered things along with my energy, but it really required her to be the captain and focus and steer everything where it needed to go. And she still very much is that. It's just that now I can also participate in that part of it. I can help steer the ship a little bit. Got it. So what's your wife's name? Her name's Joanne. She goes by Joe. Okay. So just tell me, so if like you've got ADHD, Joe doesn't, you're running the business together and you're like, so let's say you're all over the place, you know, you're doing one thing, then you start doing another thing. So is the best approach for you guys, is it for her to say, Jason, come back and re, you know, finish what you're doing? Or does that then get you upset? So, you know, that's an interesting point you make. The way we handle it is that there are tasks that she is really good at and tasks that I'm really good at because of the way my brain works. And so those, those are things that I was, would focus on and she would focus on things that are, are, are good for her. So, and unfortunately that meant a lot of the really mundane stuff, like, you know, sitting down and figuring out, you know, your bills and, you know, doing inventory, just things like that. Whereas I would just get to play with cameras <laughs> because it <laughs> held my attention and, and uh, what was this, the second part of what you were saying? Uh, sorry, skipped my uh, brain. The last half of what you were asking me, 
you find yourself being agitated a lot when you suffer or have ADHD because your brain is working so hard to try to focus or just get anything done or get through the day that the moment there's any outside interference by a person asking a question or interrupting something you're doing, you are immediately overloaded and you find yourself being constantly aggravated or agitated or very impatient. So strangely enough, my medication actually helps me be more patient and it helps me to be way more friendly. And I don't mind someone walking in and interrupting me in the middle of something anymore because I am immediately able to go right back and focus on that. Right. So before the medication, you might be, say, editing uh, a wedding and then if the phone rings, that would be a real annoyance for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And or my kids who are, you know, all adults now, but you know, they come walking in and have a question or I hear them, you know, having fun out in the house. And that noise is so distracting that you immediately feel angry. And it's it's terrible, right? Like, and you don't realize that you're mad all the time. Yeah, right. And uh, that was one of the things that occurred to me. And like my marriage has been incredible since I started my medication. Like my wife's way happier. I'm way happier. The kids are way happier. <laughs> my relationships are better. Everything about it's been really quite transformative. That's cool. So why has it taken so long? I mean, you said that you've recently started this medication. Why wait so long or why has it taken so long to get to this point? So I was inspired in a strange way, very much like a lot of people were inspired when they heard me on the uh, Sue Bryce and the Portrait Masters podcast. Uh, I was openly talking about it. And and so I heard someone I know, a friend of mine, his name's Et, and he's out of South Africa. Et Venter. Yeah, you know him? Yeah. So Et uh, talked about that in a private group that we're all part of and shared his experience. And so I saw his video and I thought, you know what? I've spent you know, 25, 30 years dealing with this. It's time for me to just do something about it. And if, if it helped him, he's sitting here right in front of me, someone I trust, you know, telling me how it's helped him, I'm just going to go for it. And so I picked up the phone, which is really hard to do when you have ADHD. I didn't blow it off. I picked up the phone and immediately scheduled an appointment with my doctor. And then I was in there two weeks later, uh, talked to them, did some tests and things like that and answered a bunch of questions. And yeah, we're like, yeah, you have like pretty severe ADHD, you know, and it kind of just went from there and that's how it all started. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, your whole family must, like you said, they must truly love the fact that you took that next step. Uh, yeah, it's been really great. So, like I said, my wife is really, really happy and our relationship does is so much better because I was literally walking around in a constant state of aggravation and I didn't know it because it felt like the default setting. It felt normal to be aggravated all the time. So everybody's always like, God, why well, are you so aggravated all the time? I'm like, I have no idea. I'm not aggravated. I feel fine. <laughs> right. But everything you're saying to people and the way you're expressing yourself is, it sounds like you're just being impatient and aggravated because everything is annoying. <laughs> but, so, but inside you, you didn't actually feel aggravated or annoyed. It just came across that way. Well, no, it, I did, but it felt normal to be that way. Right. Okay. And I, I didn't realize I was, I just was by default at all times. And yeah, so it's really, it's like an unhappy place to be. And the strange thing is, or not strange, the terrible thing is that it actually leads into, you know, like clinical depression because you are constantly struggling just to get through your day. And then that stuff leads you like into some dark places. And so I also suffer from depression from that. And as soon as I tackled that part of my life, the ADHD, the depression waned big time. So it's incredible how the two are tied together. Wow. So if there's someone listening that thinks, wow, like, you know, this feels like my life and they haven't been diagnosed with ADHD, 
Yeah, what are the tests? Like, do you need someone from the outside to tell you that you've got it? Or do you need to say, okay, I've got to pick up the phone and make a call and go and get diagnosed? Or are there signs? So the very first thing you can do is you can hop online and Google like ADHD tests or adult ADHD tests. And you can just answer the questions that are on there because they're very similar to the questions that are on like a worksheet that a doctor would give you. And there's a bunch of them and you go through and it grades it depending on what your answers are. And then from there, yeah, you would want to call your doctor and, you know, make an appointment and go in there and have a conversation about it and be very open about uh, what's going on with you. Now, the strange thing is, is that there are countries where a lot of the medications are actually illegal that they use for ADHD because they are technically like a type of uh, amphetamine. They're a stimulant. And so because of that, because they can be abused, they're actually illegal. And I think up until just a few years ago, you couldn't even bring them with you if you were traveling into Italy and places like that and a lot of European uh, countries. Wow. I mean, I know you've explained it, but it still blows me away that someone with ADHD would take a stimulant to make them feel better. Like it just goes so against my own thought process. It's bizarre. Right. Right. Because yeah, you're automatically expecting it to make you more scatterbrained and all over the place, but it allows you to hyper-focus. Yeah. It's really remarkable. It's crazy. You know, and again, my dealings are so limited with ADHD. I'm sure I photograph kids with ADHD when I do some of my photography and it's full on. Like I get frustrated. I get anxious. <laughs> so I, I don't know how it is for them. It must be a nightmare. Not really. <laughs> So what about even just doing this interview now? Like, you know, you're sitting in one spot, you're concentrating, you're answering questions. Like, is this difficult or is this easy? Oh, it's incredibly easy for me. And had it been, you know, last year, I think June is when I, I started taking my medication. But had it been before about a year ago, I would have kind of been getting up and wandering around the house and had a really hard time just sitting here and having this conversation with you uh, and thinking about what I was going to do next versus being in the moment. And so it really is nice to be able to focus like this and just be present and be in the moment with people. It's great. Okay, that's interesting. So I was thinking as you were talking about it earlier that working with clients would be awesome because you're on the go, there's things happening. But so are you in the moment with them, with like pre-medication or were you already thinking about what you're going to be doing after the shoot or for the next part of the shoot? Well, so when there's something exciting happening, you actually are doing pretty good. So I always enjoyed super, super engaging activities. And so people with ADHD often tend to be entertainers they often tend to, not often, they can be entertainers. They can be people who love being on stage and get attention because that is how we get that, you know, energized feeling out of people. That's what gives us chills. I get chills now when I talk about getting on stage. I was a musician for you know most of my life. And so being a class clown, being someone who was always seeking attention, it gets you in a lot of trouble, but it's what gives you that dopamine and that reward that you miss having in your life because of having ADHD. So you simply never can feel excited about anything because your brain, the chemicals aren't working right. But then getting on stage and having, you know, a thousand people singing a song back to you, that's a pretty darn good way of getting, getting a dopamine response out of something. You know what I mean? I do. I do. So do you get that same response, that same feeling, you know, pre-medication when you just had a photography client in front of you? Like, is that enough or do you need more than that? Uh, pre-medication, I would often feel like, oh my God, I don't want to have to go to work right now. But once I was doing it, I was fine. But I felt that way about lots of things. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to have to go to the grocery store. Oh my God, I don't want to have to go give this presentation. But then when you're doing it, you're good. It's just everything leading up to it that's just dreadful. 
That sounds like me on the way to every wedding. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I would, I would have even dreaded having to do this interview. And what it does is it causes you anxiety. So if I knew this interview was going to be today, right, I would have spent my entire day worrying about having to do this, thinking of a way I could get out of it and wondering if I could maybe call and say, oh, you know, I can't do this now because the anxiety from thinking about it was so terrible. Wow. Okay. It's full on, isn't it? So why did it take you so long? Did you really answer that before? Like, Why did it take you so long to get help? I think that I was just blowing it off. And then, you know, I was a kid when it started. And, you know, on some level, my mom, you know, should have probably done more to help me get through that. And she's really good about therapy and really good about all those things. But I think that we just didn't quite nail it when it came to dealing with my ADHD as a teenager and as a young kid. And so I became an adult and I was about 23, 24 and I got married and had kids. You know, I was married previous to my wife I'm married to now. And so you just get busy living their life and you get busy living an adult life where you've got a mortgage and you've got things you've got to deal with. And so your, you know, your mental health kind of takes a back seat. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people do that to themselves. A lot of people put themselves last, their mental health last. And it's something that it's really important that you make it a priority and overall else, because you really can't be anything great for anybody else if you can't even be great for yourself, you know? For sure. So are your kids prone to having ADHD because you've got it? I'm actually not sure how that works, but I can say that my son has it too. So it, it may very well be hereditary. I'm just not 100% certain because I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor and I haven't done enough research on that. So I want to be really careful about, you know, saying things that are maybe a fact when they're not how it works for everybody. Absolutely. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So with your son, are you inclined then to take him to seek medical help early on? Or is it more about like teaching him to live with it? And do, do you suffer with it all the time or does it come and go? Uh, it's it's pretty much all the time. And so with my son, he's in university and he's in his, uh, he just finished his third year and he's always been busy and was always an athlete and always had great grades all through high school. And it never seemed like he was suffering from it too much, but it started developing more in college and even more so just this past year or even six months. And so it all suddenly came to us and we all figured it out just in April. We all kind of went, wait a minute, you know, tell me more about you know, what's going on with you. And, you know, he was having trouble focusing and, and completing tasks he needed to complete it. And all of a sudden his grades were kind of getting a little lower in college and we didn't understand it because he's brilliant. You know, he's in pre-med, he's going to be a doctor. He's a brilliant kid. Uh, but he was, these things were getting in the way. And then he went ahead and went to a doctor just in the last couple of weeks. And they were like, oh my God, yeah, you have like severe ADHD. And he's been struggling and working through that and achieving in spite of it, his whole life. Whereas I actually was it was very hard for me to achieve anything and oftentimes failed things because of it. I didn't achieve the goals I wanted to achieve. I didn't get where I wanted to be. And I often feel like I'm pretty much a decade behind where I should be because of having ADHD. And luckily for him, we've, he's only uh, 21 years old. We're on top of it and he's doing it much, much, much better. Awesome. That is so good to hear. I'm like, what an amazing son by the sound of it, doing uh, medicine at uni. It's awesome. He must be so proud. Yeah. And, well, yeah, it's great. And the thing is, is that not everybody, you know, medication isn't something that everyone is happy to have or happy to take. I'm a very big on science. I'm happy to uh, take medications because I understand science on a level least enough to, uh, you know, I get it. I can understand. And so I'm not afraid of it. Uh, and some people can just come up with systems that help them, but they're not 
actually treating, you know, the actual, uh, you know, situation they have. They're just found a way to work around it. I couldn't figure out a way to work around it. Sitting down and coming up with a system was impossible for me (laughs) and then sticking to it. And so what I did basically was I used Siri, I used Alexa, and I still do to this day, but I just tell Siri, hey, remind me to do this at this time. Remind me to do this at this time. And being on my medication helps me to be even less forgetful and be even better about getting Siri to remind me of things. <laughs> and it's really transformative. Wow. I want to talk more about your photography business, but just yeah. one or two more questions about the ADHD. When you're on the medication and you're feeling better or you're feeling like you're where you should be, do you also feel like, hey, maybe I'm good enough to get back off the medication? Uh, no, because again, I'm kind of pretty good with like how science and medications work. And I know that if I were to stop taking it for a couple of days, I would pretty quickly just fall right back to where I was. And I actually, uh, every couple of weeks, I won't take it for a day just because it allows your body to kind of readjust and then it's more effective when you take it again. And so I didn't take it uh, about a week and a half ago, for instance, I didn't take it one day and I was completely unmotivated. I couldn't get anything done. I had a really hard time just getting myself up out of a chair. It was pretty awful. And I'm like, I do not want to feel like that ever again. So you're not healing it. You're never going to heal it. You really do have to be consistent and continually use medication as long as you want to uh, try to get rid of the effects of, of the issue. Got it. Got it. Jason, you said some pretty heavy things a couple of minutes ago about, you know, feeling like you're 10 years behind where you should, you haven't achieved the things that you want to achieve, or you didn't achieve the things that you wanted to. But that, that's, that's full on. Like, does that hurt you to say those things? Uh, yeah, it actually, um, you know, when I started taking my medication and realized how different my life could be, I was pretty upset, um, you know, last summer when I realized I've spent, you know, I was probably 10 years old when this all started for me and I'm 46. So imagine being a 10 year old kid and now thinking back on that at 46 years old and going, Oh my God, I've literally felt like I've wasted so many opportunities and wasted so many years uh, failing and failing out of school and failing out of things you were trying to do and missing just numerous you know, opportunities to uh, have great successes because and all I needed was a simple pill to fix that. And so I've struggled with that and I was pretty angry with that for a little while, but I just had to sit there and work through that. And I I saw a therapist, you know, and everything for a good bit of time and worked through that stuff and stopped focusing on what I should have done. And now I'm just focusing on all the great things I can do going forward, but still it is regrettable when you think about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it would be difficult to come to terms with that because I mean, you may not be where you are now either. Like you'd have a totally different life. Yeah. It would hurt Joe and your kids to hear you say that. I'm sure. Yeah. And I've talked openly about that. I'm an open book with them too. And uh, it's not about, I wanted something different. I could have just been so much better. You know what I mean? Because I'm very much happy where I am. I don't want different. I just could have been so much better. Sure. Sure. You know, and it's funny, like the listener can't see you, but like you're an amazing looking bloke as well. I mean, you look super <laughs> fit and healthy, muscly, Thank you. Uh, trim. I mean, you look like you're living your best life. Like no one would ever see you and think, Man, that guy's down. Like he's down and out. That's that's the interesting thing. I appreciate that, by the way. But that's the interesting thing about mental health issues is that people on the outside, you know, you can put on a good show, but inside you can just be absolutely falling apart. And that's the part where a lot of people have a hard time being understanding about that. They have a hard time accepting that just because you don't look like you have some type of, you know, handicap, so to speak that everything should be fine. And so that's why a lot of people have a hard time being open about it. They don't want to talk about it because they are 
treated poorly and people don't believe that there's truly a problem. So yeah, it's really an interesting thing. And I'm actually able to go to the gym a lot more consistently because of this. So I've been working really hard to, uh, you know, with weight training and stuff for a couple of years. And, and I've been able to focus so great on that, that I've lost, you know, 25 pounds in the last, you know, five months and I'm stronger than I've ever been. I'm in the gym for, you know, a couple hours, you know, five, six days a week. It's been great. So awesome. I think you look a lot different, I think, even to the photos on your website. Yeah. Yeah. Those photos are, yeah, <laughs> time to update. <laughs> Who do you get told that you look like as far as actors go? There's someone's coming to mind. Yeah, I'm the same height and weight and, you know, overall measurements as Dwayne Johnson. So yes, exactly. I get the rock a lot. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I basically get referred to as him pretty much every day. And, uh, and then if you um, watch closely enough, some of his shows, I got to actually be on uh, his show Ballers a few years ago. And I've even been called and asked to camera double for him on some movies and things like that. So it's it's been pretty cool to do stuff like that. Amazing. That was exactly my thought, The Rock. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about the photography business. I mean, is it like I described that there's multiple parts and is that because of the ADHD or is that just because of the way that the business works best where you're located? Well, it's a funny thing. You know, I think my ADHD is what... You know, Joanne was a photographer going back into the 90s, like long before I had any interest in it. I was into music and art and things like that because those things kept me entertained. But Joanne had a true passion for photography going into high school. And so she was shooting film and developing film. And, uh, you know, when I met her, she was shooting film still. This is, you know, 2005. She was shooting film and shooting weddings and doing portraits. And, you know, she'd have to go off on a Saturday and shoot a wedding. And I'd be like, well, I'll be sitting here watching golf. You know, I'll see you when you get back. And then around 2007, some of my friends were getting married in my rock band, you know, like some of the other guys in the band were getting married and they asked her to do her, their, her wedding. So then I saw her work and I was like, this is really incredible. And I kind of want to get involved with this and asked her if I could second shoot for her. And I just kind of learned on the fly from her over, you know, the next couple of years and really worked hard to try to get on her level. And then I would started researching things like off-camera flash and different stuff like that because I was awake in the middle of the night, couldn't sleep with my ADHD and started reading Strobist. You know, the Strobist, I think it was a blog or something that was really popular and learned what off-camera flash was. And so we started buying components to try to make that work and it became a thing. And before you know it, you know, 2009 comes along and we're like, you know what, you know, let's make this a real thing, a real business. And that's when we started actually putting ourselves out there and, and charging for weddings. And, you know, we quickly, within a few years, became a really real powerhouse wedding duo. And it was pretty remarkable. So it was all weddings in the beginning. And then what, then you started introducing seniors and families and things like that? Yeah, I mean, the, the story kind of works to where we got to the point uh, from about 2009, we got to where by 13, we were shooting you know, a couple dozen weddings a year, which doesn't sound like a lot if you're young and single and have nothing else going on. But I had a day career and Joanne has always been a business owner. She owned a hair and nail salon with her sister and she had that. That was her main career. So she maintained that. And I had a day career like in the tech industry. And we were essentially shooting, you know, every other weekend we were hopping on an airplane and traveling somewhere to shoot some kind of a, you know, big wedding somewhere, even out of the country, Guyana and, you know, going all over the States. And so it got to the point where we were so busy and our kids were at the age where they were getting into middle school, you know, about sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and they were all athletes and we weren't able to see anything they were doing. We were gone all the time. And if we weren't out of town, we were sitting at our desk editing and working. 
And so we were kind of missing out on their life. And so in 2015, 2016, we got to the point where we were so busy that we couldn't even maintain our other jobs anymore. But we also didn't want to have to continue doing this and miss out on now what would be high school. And so that's when we decided to focus more on portraits, open a local studio, and get into in-person sales and actually do something more than just photograph weddings and send a digital download to our clients. Got it. Okay. So, and that's where the business has progressed from to where it is now. Right. And it's, uh, we're at the point now where we only do one wedding a year, maybe. And we're photographing, you know, 70 portrait clients, you know, or 80 portrait clients, whatever the case may be throughout the year. And then we added back in 2017, an entirely separate company that I didn't quite talk to you about, but it's a volume sports and schools business. Right. Yeah, it's a whole separate company, a whole separate corporation, a whole separate set of employees, branding and everything, because we don't want to conflate volume sports and schools with our luxury portrait studio brand. So with the volume side of the business, is that actual action photos or is it sort of team photos, individuals and team photos, you know, with studio lighting? It's, it's your team and individual studio lighting and then all your like, you know, yearbook photos that the kids all take at the beginning of the school year. So we're photographing tens of thousands of kids every year too. And well, Joe and I aren't doing much photographing anymore. Our, uh, we have employees that do it, but our company is photographing tens of thousands of kids and working with, you know, a couple dozen schools and sports leagues. It's pretty crazy. Amazing. So, cause I had the feeling I wasn't sure I was going to ask you about it. I thought the senior photography was the biggest part of the business now, but really it sounds like the volume photography is the thing. Well, we keep, again, we keep them separate and our portrait studio does really well. And that's what gave us the ability to do and have everything we do and have now. And it also is what opened the door to the volume business because we were taking, you know, what we like to think are pretty remarkable photographs, stuff that, you know, other sports and volume photographers weren't doing. We were able to go in with our photos and show them how we photograph people and, you know, help sell us to these schools and sports leagues and get in with them. So is that the biggest part of the business these days, the volume side of the business? Yeah, we've kind of transitioned to where our um, portrait studio is all of the icing on the cake. And then like the volume side is basically pays for, you know, everything. And then everything comes from our portrait studio is like all the, uh, yeah, all the extra. It's the fun, fun money. You know what I mean? So <laughs> The play money. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, but I never in a million years thought that, you know, we would be doing something like schools and sports because you think of it as the most just mundane and boring thing in the world. And it's not particularly exciting. It's just business. But business is really important. And it's something that a lot of people have a hard time addressing and a hard time you know, accepting that, you know, you can be an artist all you want, but ultimately you've got to pay the bills. Absolutely. What's the name of the volume business? It's called Strata. So just a street, Italian for streets. <laughs> right. Okay. And what's the, the URL? Uh, we actually don't keep a website because it's not something where that's really necessary. It's very much a, uh, you know, everything's done through photo day. And it's all an automated process and they handle the marketing and they handle the fulfillment and all that stuff. So we simply have to have our people show up and shoot. We do our automation using uh, Aftershoot for the calling, which is automated. And then we use uh, uh, Fido to do the automated AI editing. And then we just upload the files to their site and off they go. The parents get a notification saying their kids' pictures are ready and all the sales happen, the fulfillment happens, and we're off sipping tea or watching the, watching the tube or something. So. <laughs> 
Mate, this is phenomenal. So how was this side of the business even born? Like, did you and Joe have an idea? Did you go in, did someone ask you to do a school for the first shoot and you thought this has got legs? Well, we were basically really disappointed in what our kids' photos looked like. And they were, again, they were athletes. We thought their photos were terrible. And we're like, you know what? We could do way better. So we just took our own sports photos of them. We did our own school pictures of them. But then we were like, wait a minute there's some money to be made here. I bet there's some good money in this. And so we're like, why not do even more? And why not put more on our plate? And so that's how that started. We went to a, uh, you know, went to a school, I think a sports league that we were kind of friendly with and knew the people because our kids had gone there. And they're like, yeah, we'll give you a shot. And they were really cool about it. And they gave us a shot and it exploded. And now we're working around the region. You know, we're in multiple cities now all around the region where we work with schools and sports leagues. It's really incredible what it's become. And, you know, not to dismiss what we're doing at our studio. We just photographed five seniors in the last week and a half. So it's not like we're not getting to be creative and shoot and have a great time with our uh, portrait studio as well. Sure. And is the studio offsite or is it at home? We have our own retail studio space in our, like our historic downtown district in downtown. Yep. So we actually have our own studio and you know, nothing happens at the house except for office work for us. Right. Okay. So then, so for the volume business, is that all running out of the same studio? Uh, no, the studio doesn't really have to, there's no use of the studio in the volume side, really. So everything's on location. So you show up at a school for that work and you're there for half a day photographing, you know, a thousand kids, wherever the case may be. Uh, when there's a sports league going on, well, they're at, if it's a basketball league, they're in their basketball gym. So we show up at that place and we find a space and we shoot there. So everything's on location for that. But that photographer, then they would come back with the cards or do they just upload them online? Yeah, so they're all local to us. And so they, you know, basically we collect the cards and get everything going. So, and we manage the site still quite a bit. We're transitioning now to where more people are shooting and we're doing less of it. So we're still managing. We're still on site. At least one of us, we're still very much involved and we always will be. We're just going to try to spend less time working and having more free time. Nice. So it sounds like there was something about your photography that sort of opened the door for the volume side of the business. Was it that or was it more, I'm I'm sure that was a big part of it, but was it also the fact that, you know, you had contacts, your kids had contacts, you know, you knew people, they said, we'll give you a shot. Do you think that the photography alone would have been enough to get you in the door? Uh, no, I mean, it's a combination of, you know, I'm a hell of a salesperson. <laughs> and so, and I have a big personality and I have no problem coming in and telling someone, hey, uh, you've got a problem. I know how to fix it and we're going to do that for you. And so it's kind of that simple. And Joanne is the quiet, confident type. So we play this little good cop, bad cop thing, but <laughs> she's very confident and very stoic and people take her very seriously. And I get them laughing and, you know, having a good time and cracking a joke or two. And next thing you know, you know, we've got our foot in the door. So it's a combination of things. Right. And so is pricing playing any role in getting those new clients or is it all about the photography and the personalities? Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. And Jason, just let me finish with asking you, if you were to start over, which part of the business would you develop the quickest? Would it be the the bulk side of the business, you know, the sporting photos, or would it be the studio? If we were starting over, we would have gone straight into in-person sales and a studio versus having to do an incredible amount of labor with weddings 
And because we make wedding money in a couple of hours, you know, we'll go in and shoot a portrait session, you know, and help our clients design some artwork and albums and, you know, have $4,000 sale, have a $10,000 sale, a $15,000 sale from that. And so had we known that prior to 2016 and realized that people actually do want printed products, printed albums and wall art and valued those things, we would have started doing that a lot sooner. So if you could take me back to 2009, yeah, we would have worked really hard to educate ourselves and be able to provide our product, our clients with incredible uh, artwork and albums and give them a full client experience. That is awesome to hear, mate. I was really, I don't want to say I was worried, but I was thinking you were going to say I would have uh, worked really hard to build up the sporting side, that the bulk side of the business. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, <laughs> look, I appreciate that business. I appreciate the people we work with. They're really lovely. It's just not something that would excite most people, but it's hard to deny that the financial side of it is really exciting and rewarding. And so that's probably the best way to put that. If you can do it and you can do it well and you can do it without, because uh, it can ruin you too. I mean, it's a huge investment. And if you don't have the wherewithal to put it all together, and the business acumen and all those things, it can probably ruin you. So uh, it's a risky thing. It's all risky. Yeah. Mate, you've been an incredible guest. It's been so much fun talking to you. Thank you for being so open and honest and allowing me to ask and probe you about the ADHD stuff. It was fascinating for me. I'm sure the listener got a ton from it as well. Where's the best place for the listener to see more of your work? Yeah. So I would uh, love everybody to hop over to our Instagram where we've recently put a lot of effort into creating reels. We're, we're doing a lot of behind the scenes video now where you can see how we create our photographs, uh, the software, like Fundy software that we work with to do our in-person sales with our clients and just kind of like our day-to-day life. So you can head over to our Instagram, which is just at imaginephotoaz. Uh, and that's probably the best place to reach out to us and find us and say hi. And if you want to see us in person, you know, we do a lot of education. So let's see. I'll be um, emceeing at the Portrait Masters Conference in Phoenix in September. We may be at the brand new Photo Plus, which has been renamed to Create NYC. We may be there at the end of September out in New York. And then we're going to be at Imaging USA in 23 for our third time. And hopefully we'll be at WPPI for like our eighth or ninth time in February of next year. So yeah, keep track of us. You'll see us. We're always all over the place. And if you have questions for us, feel free to inbox us. And we're always happy to share and even set aside some time for people if they want to uh, deep dive into things. Unreal. Jason, you're a champion, mate. Again, thank you so much. I'm going to add links to everywhere you mentioned uh, in the show notes, links to where people can find you online. And please, if you listen to this right now and you see Jason or Joe at one of those events, go and say hi. Say that you heard them here on the on the podcast. Jason, again, massive thanks, mate. Cheers. Oh, man, I really appreciate you. Thanks so much, my friend. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Jason as much as I did. I certainly learned a lot. I hope you did too. Whether or not you suffer from ADHD or are living with ADHD or are working on a volume photography business, I hope there were a ton of takeaways. Jason, if you are listening, again, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing everything you did. You were amazing. What a fantastic guest. Now, don't forget there are show notes that accompanies today's interview. They are at photobizx.com forward slash 473. In those show notes, you'll see examples of Jason's fantastic work, links to anything and everything that he mentioned, a photo of Jason and his gorgeous wife as well. It's all there in that one spot. Now, I'll be adding Jason into the members Facebook group as well. So if you do have a follow-up question for him, you can hit him up inside the group. I'll make sure he sees your questions. Or if you just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did you can do that there as well 
And of course, if you want to reach out to Jason personally, you've got those links in the show notes or the comments area at the bottom of the show notes. Okay, that is just about going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. I'm not 100% sure yet, but next week I'm anticipating will be a members-only episode featuring Nick Buttigieg. He featured in the Coaching Diary series and a follow-up interview as well. Nick recently reached out to me to say that business is going from strength to strength. He's now going it alone without his photography business coach, Joel Dunn, who has set him on the right path and things seem to be going extremely well. So I'm looking forward to learning more about what Nick has been doing, what he is doing, why business is so good now, and that'll be a members-only episode, I'm hoping again, for next week, which should be coming to you from the French Pyrenees. Okay, that is it for this episode of the podcast. I hope you are safe, healthy, and well. hope you're enjoying life. hope business is thriving for you that life is good and you have a fantastic week ahead. Alrighty, I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. That's all for this episode. If you've enjoyed the interview, head to the show notes at photobizx.com to find more information, to leave a comment or to share your thoughts. Au revoir from friends and talk to you next week.